This is George Dion for KNAC.com, and I'm here with Whitfield Crane, vocalist and founder of Ugly Kid Joe. If I knew absolutely nothing about Ugly Kid Joe, how would you describe the band's music to me? We ain't glam and we ain't thrash. <laughs> I kind of agree with that. Even though Ugly Kid Joe was kind of lumped in with the hair bands, I kind of always saw you as the anti-hair band. That's true, for sure. We're the um, we're kind of the last smile that got through the door before grunge, you know. And even even to this day, you know, it's it's hard to place us. You know, like we, of course, we loved and loved like the old school masters. We love Van Halen and Sabbath and Priest and Motorhead and ACDC and all that. So those kind of bands like would take us out and adopted us. And we've always, you know, we mirror a lot of that, right? Uh, but as far as uh, in the early 90s, uh, and fair enough, we didn't really fit in a section with any of our peers. So, um, yes, it's a very interesting uh, definition to come up with. Absolutely. And Ugly Kid Joe is getting ready to release their next studio album on October 21st through Metalville Records. It's called Rad Wings of Destiny. This is your first new studio album in seven years. So what has Ugly Kid Joe been up to since the last studio album? Well, we toured an awful lot. Um, and then just like everybody else, the pandemic came and gave a big wink and a salute of stopping all fluidity. Uh, so we, I guess everyone took two and a half years off right there to celebrate the 30th anniversary of America's least wanted, which was produced by, you know, really an amazing producer by the name of Mark Dodson, who is a, you know, who's not only a great producer, but our dear friend. So to celebrate the 30 year anniversary of that album and that experience, we, uh, we rebooted and, uh, Mark Dodson got back on board and we made Brad Wings of Destiny. I mean, the, the, we wrote it and then we tracked it in a, in a place in El Paso, Texas, called um, a Sonic Ranch, and which was super cool. It was in the middle of a pecan farm in the middle of nowhere, right next to Juarez, Mexico. Really interesting studio environment. You know, it had wonderful cooks that cooked for you, you know, three meals a day. You had your own room. There was Picasso paintings and Dale paintings and the best gear I've ever seen and really awesome people to work with. And then us. And when I say us, that means the Ugly Good Joe roster which which includes you know two drummers in this storyline one would be named shannon larkin and the other one would be named zach morris so we had two drummers there that both played on the record uh of course once again produced by mark dodson we had a another guitar player fly in from uh, melbourne australia his name's jeff kern he's a lefty he's got a great guitar tone i play in a band with him that goes by the name of yellow cake which uh which we love to uh create and uh you know we we had Larkin, we had Zach Morris, we had Jeff Curran, Klaus Eichstadt, Cordell Crockett, and uh, and of course Mark Dodson and myself, and we made some magic. And so, yep, yeah, it's been seven years, and we're really excited to birth these ten songs. And um, here we go. It's funny that you mentioned the bands that you did mention when you said your influences off the first question, because I hear a lot of that in a lot of the songs, and I certainly hear more like motorhead-ish kind of ACDC in one of your singles that ain't living. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I mean, okay. So for me, I mean, just this is my personal mirror. Like, my heroes are Rob Halford, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, and Bon Scott, as far as rock and roll singing goes. Dickinson's awesome. Paul Diano's awesome. But those first three are kind of like the guys that I 
you know, those are my heroes. So, and then slowly but surely, because I don't play piano, I don't play guitar, I don't, you know, I'm just kind of walking around singing songs. And slowly but surely, and and uh, and, uh, and a large variable would be the patience that my guitar players have with me, which is a lot of patience. Um, I've become um, more fluid at writing songs. You know, when I write riffs, like I wrote that a living. So I wrote that riff on an island called Patmos in Greece. And I was like, no way, I think this, you know, because you never really know, you have to go share it with your band member. But sometimes you're like, oh my God, I think uh, I think this riff is sick, right? And uh, and I showed it to my guys and they're like, it is good, dude. And so we worked that tirelessly. And for sure, it's it's a tip of the hat. It's a, it's a respect towards specifically Bon Scott, Power Age, ACDC. Like that's what it's, that's what it's meant to mirror. And uh, that's on purpose. So you mentioned that your songwriting has become more refined, but I think it's become more mature when you uh, compare it to your earlier work. Certainly songs like Long Road and Kill the Pain, there is certainly a life lived behind those words. That would be true. That's, I mean, that's your dead on right there, bullseye. So, you know, when you're kids, when we were kids, we had, we had a lot of fortuitous things happening for us. And, you know, we've got a record deal and we, we made music and people bought the albums. And we got to go tour around the world for a couple of years. And uh, that was a lot. But, you know, if you really, if you were to be honest about where we were at, you know, I never left California. And in fact, I didn't think I'd ever leave California. Not only did we leave it, but it became a constant. We toured and toured and uh, you know, life comes, you know, you, 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 you involve, we've all played in different bands, you know, a myriad of life experiences, you know, life and death, disappointment, um, excitement, all the different things that you would go through, you know, I'm 54 now. So of course, as far as my journey or my travails or however you wanted to word that we have more to say innately, not even on purpose. So yeah, we've evolved a little bit and, uh, we're grateful to get to do it. You know, uh, many are called pure chosen type of shit. So it, uh, you know, I was hanging out with Lemmy in uh, 2012. I just kind of went on the Motorhead tour bus. I showed up with my backpack, and uh, Anthrax was opening up. And uh, I showed up in London, not to go on tour in the sense of I didn't have a band, but I, I showed up and said, I want to go on tour with you guys. And they said, okay, that's cool. So I, I went on the Motorhead bus and toured and toured and toured. And it, we got to Newcastle, England, and Lemmy, Lemmy and I were talking backstage uh, about just, you know, what what it all is, you know, what, what is this musical experience, blah, 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 blah. And I, I up, up to this moment, I hadn't had a, a jingle or a rhyme or a wording that would mirror what I was looking for. And his punchline to me, it's too long a story to go into, but his punchline, he looked at me and said, he said, he said, no, you're not. You're a working musician. And right then and there, I went, I went, oh God, that's exactly what I want. That's 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 the answer. Because there's the idea of the rock star, which you know is non-existent or at the very least dangerous, you know, aka the myth of it all. And where do you find solace in whatever you do? So for me, it's singing songs and you know, and uh and touring. It all leads to touring for me. So that's the key to the whole thing. So yeah, we have an album, it's Radwing's Destiny, um, and we've been touring and we've been working we've been working musicians and that to me as far as uh what it all is is that's that's where we're trying to get to we're trying to get to work exactly and it seems like everything has come full circle for bands in the late 80s and early 90s what's old is new again and certainly there is a desire for the music that people grew up with and to hear new music from the people that we grew up with plus 
the return of vinyl and the demand for CDs as well. Again, everything's coming back around. And with Ugly Kid Joe, you're kind of giving them something new, but something nostalgic with the formats that you're presenting for Rad Wings of Destiny, like uh, red, white, and blue vinyls and T-shirt bundles, cassettes and CDs. My favorite part of that story was the word cassette. I love cassettes. <laughs> There's nothing better than a cassette, you know? Um, yeah, it's neat. It's neat to do it. You know, um, making art is fun. Uh, making analog art, of course, that, you know, once again, you know, I mean, that reminds me of, you know, where I come from. So, you know, I'm not sure what the new generation thinks about all that, but I, I, I'm so happy that vinyl's back and, and making tapes is back. CDs have always fascinated me. I've never really been a CD guy, but, um, yeah, it's fun to make the art and we sit and we sit and it's first person as well. Like, as you well know, and I'm sure this affects your, what you're doing with the KNAC is like, because no one, I mean, with, this isn't a complaint, but it's an observation because no one buys music at a macro. There's not a lot of financial in infrastructure to push, push what we do. But that said, because of that, a lot of the people that let's say were just there for cash, which is fair. If that's what you're doing. Uh, aren't there anymore. They've, 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 they've changed their station and they've set sail on a different ship. So he or she who's in this conversation, in this case, it's you and me, we love what we do. So for making the art, you know, we got an artist named Daniel Mercer. He's so awesome. So we get to sit there without being prodded or nudged by any other forces but ourselves. That's healthy for the art itself. So when you open the vinyl and when you pull the sleeve out, you look at the lyrics and you, we've put a lot of effort into it. And that it's a cool moment that a I will have when when you know when I actually get it in my hand. But equally, we could share that with other people, and then you know it comes. You know, somebody will put that, you know, the pendulum on, right, and stick it on the on the vinyl, and somebody somebody somewhere is going to do that, some country, some town, and hopefully enjoy it. And that to me is really exciting. You guys just finished up a little run of summer festivals over in Europe. Uh, were you able to preview some of the new songs over there? Yeah, we uh, we played that ain't living, um, which was you know it's it's uh, songs to me are like metaphorically like like your children. You're not sure if they, you know, <laughs> how people will react to them. So we the the one song we did play was that ain't living. It went over like gangbusters. We uh we uh we played it at Hellfest in um in uh, in France, which is a big heavy metal show. A lot of great bands. You know, we were main stage, uh, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And I said, here, here's what I need you to do to the crowd, and boom on so great response for that uh particular song once again which is that ain't living it and then now that we've released kill the pain and we've released long road and we'll release another song before we go out in november uh in the uk uh we'll look we'll, all the songs that we've released we'll go ahead and go play and see what happens excellent and you have a uk tour in the fall coming up with uh yeah it starts no starts november 2nd and then some other dates are added like in france um, I think, um, in Copenhagen and some other countries somewhere in there. So we'll, we're just, we're, we're, we're nudging it to, to when we release those informational tools, but the, but the UK stuff is, it's on fire. It's, it's uh, tickets are killer right now. We're going out with the, we're co-headlining, uh, the, the UK run with a band called massive wagons, which is blowing up in the UK. We're really excited for those guys and, uh, yeah, get back on the horse and ride. On Rad Wings of Destiny, you covered probably one of the biggest British artists, uh, The Kinks, with your version of Lola. I believe Ray Davies is still 
over there making music and is like probably more popular than Paul McCartney, I'd say. Well, he's a neat guy and the Kinks are an incredibly enigmatic band, but what geniuses, right? Particularly Ray. Yeah, you know, in the back of my mind, I've always wanted to uh, to cover a Kinks song. Um, you know, like Van Halen 1, they covered a Kinks song. And, uh, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what song we could do. And it turns out that we, uh, you know, I, I came... Uh, we're, in, we're figuring out what cover to do when we're tracking Rad Wings in uh, El Paso. And everybody was there. All the agents were there. Shannon Larkin was there, right? And I was like, ooh, there's Shannon. And man, that guy, that guy's a magic man, right? And uh, in, in in every way, including drums. And I came, you know, we went out to dinner in uh, El Paso proper. And I went into Burger King to use the, the loo. And in the Burger King bathroom in El Paso, there was a kink song playing. It wasn't Lola. But it was a kink song, which, you know, the penny dropped immediately for me. And I was like, oh, wait, I wanted to cover Lola. And I went back to the van that was taking us to a nice dinner. And I said, hey, guys, I got this idea. And, the, you know, you and you know right away if your idea is going to hold water or not. And I go, I go, Lola. And they all went, everyone kind of paused, producer, band members, even the, the, the van driver. And everyone looked over and said, yeah. And we went and got dinner, went back and tracked that song. So. And it came out killer. It's very ambitious to cover a masterpiece, but I think we did real good. As you mentioned, Shannon Larkin appears as a second drummer on Rad Wings of Destiny. Is he going to be able to join you at any shows? I know that Godsmack's going to be stepping out there pretty soon as well. No, I imagine that he's going to be strictly in the Godsmack world uh, and probably just spending a lot of time at his at his uh, casa in uh, Fort Myers. But if 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 you know if the if the winds show themselves. In a way that it would make sense, he would totally jam with us. But, you know, nothing organized at this moment. Uh, you mentioned that Rad Wings of Destiny is kind of paralleling the 30th anniversary of America's Least Wanted. And you are working with the same producer as America's Least Wanted, Mark Dodson. Let's talk a yep. little bit about kind of back then, 30 years ago, putting that album together and kind of the response that followed. Well, back then, you know, we made that EP. What was it called? Uh, Ugly as they want to be. And that EP, I mean, we didn't know what we're doing. And I, I don't think we really know what we're doing now. But that thing sold an awful lot of albums. And so all of a sudden, you know, the, the label was behind us for that moment in time. And they said, we want to get you in the studio immediately. And we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're ready for that. But, you know, we weren't ready for that. We didn't have the songs for it. Not really. We had like maybe eight songs, right? You know, and I, you know, I've never listened to a snare drum or I, I just like music or I, or I didn't like music. You know, I think that's how most human beings filter music. They like it or they don't. Right. But for me, I'm a massive Judas Priest fan. Like it's, you know, I love the priest. Right. And so we all of a sudden we'd sold all these records on the EP and we had uh, the truth and the illusion of choice. Like we could go pick any producer we wanted at that point or, or supposedly that's what we were told. And so I'm all radical. What does that even mean? And name some producers and who's worked with Priest? That was my main thing, you know, me and Klaus. And I was like, who has worked with Judas Priest? And so it was Mark Dodson. So we went down to go meet Mark Dodson at a Devonshire Studios in, uh, in Hollywood. And there he was, smoking Marlboro Reds on a big knee board. And I was just like, no way, that, guy, that guy's met Priest. He knows Rob Halford and Glenn Tipton and K.K. Downing and Ian Hill and maybe even Simon Phillips, you never know. 
And uh, there he was, and I was just staring at him. And, and he's like, he looked at us, we like little kids, you know? And I said, I said, did, did, you, did you really work with Priest? And he's like, he's, and he's English. He's like, yes, mate. I worked on Sin After Sin, and I worked on Defenders of the Faith. I'm like, well, you're the guy. You know, that was it for us, just because of the priest thing. And then we became great friends, and we made a record, and people around the world enjoyed it, and we had this incredible experience. I was really green. Like, I was, I was, I was great at or good at singing live, right? But the studio was like this foreign environment that wasn't that rhythmic. It was like, you know, and now I can survive a studio, no problem. But at that time, my repetition in such templates didn't exist. It was kind of tough in that, but it was also fun. You know, we stayed, uh, where did we stay? We stayed at some, some Oakwoods, I think it's called. And we all stayed there. We went every day. We drank Budweiser beers. And we, you know, we made a record. And slowly but surely, it became an album. And Dodson, you know, like any producer, was a great psychologist to get it done. Uh, one of the coolest moments of that was, at that time, I was dating a, uh, a beautiful woman. One of the loves of my left name is Karen Duffy. She was the MTV DJ at the time. And then Mark Dodson, of course, would do the Priest Dudes in New Halford. And at that time, Priest was defunct. You know, our, our dream was not, I just really wanted to meet Rob Halford. But anyway, he came down to somehow between my girlfriend and between Dodson, because this is back when there's fax machines. It wasn't like you could call someone on an iPhone. And uh, anyway, so Rob Halford ends up coming down to Devonshire. And uh, we, we put, we're, you know, we're, we're on tape. We're on Ampex 456. And we have the song Goddamn Devil Up, uh, which is, you know, devilish and uh we show the song to to to, to uh, rob halford in the studio we look at him and well there he is right and he looks at klaus and he looks at me and he goes i like the lyrics and we we're like yes do you want to sing on it and he's like he's, and he just nodded and he went in past you know there's the there's the knee board there's the glass and there's where, where the you know there's a drum room where, where you can also sing and i'm sure you know what i'm talking about and uh, there he was and he went in and, and i got to you know, for lack of a better terminology, produce him and talk to him on the talkback. I'd be able, a little more like this, a little more like Devil's Child, a little more like, you know, and there he was being the greatest vocal entity I'd ever seen. And also innately kind of teaching me how you should treat the studio. Of course, I didn't get there then and maybe never will get all the way to where he goes, but it was quite an experience. <laughs> According to the internet, and I always take internet information with a grain of salt, you were asked by Glenn Tipton to sing for Judas Priest after Halford left? Here's what I would do if I were you. I would go ask Shannon Larkin that story. <laughs> we'll go with that. Funny thing, looking back 30 years on the cover of America's Least Wanted, it was controversial at the time, but I think today it would be celebrated. Yeah, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I remember. I mean, I think controversy is probably actually pretty good, and I think it might have been good for us at the time. But as I recall, and this is me cherry picking kind of uh, memories from thirty years ago. I think it was Walmart that had a problem with the finger dimensions of the hand of uh, of the Statue of Liberty on the cover. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But I don't know the answer if it would be celebrated or or people would be miffed or. You know, I don't know. The world's so strange right now. I don't even know. We, if you look, when you, if any of your listeners here, uh, new fans or old fans, or hopefully somebody, if you open the vinyl that we're, we're that we're releasing for the for the Radwigs album, and if you open the, you know, I guess the CD or the tape, or whatever, you'll see, uh, you'll see a, a, a double gesture of such a, you know, something that was edited back then. <laughs> so maybe Walmart would have accepted it if you made the finger smaller. 
I just don't know. <laughs> I just think, you know, the United States is weird like that, right? And and particularly the Bible Belt. I mean, people get weird. Are you going to be doing anything with the Orchestra of Doom? I hope I, I do. I'm still friends with the, that's cool you even know about that. Uh, I'm friends with the the uh, the conductor, Andrea Battistoni. He's, a, he's one of the youngest and most talented uh, um, conductors in Italy. And so, yeah, I bet... I bet we circle around and do something with that sooner or later. It's a great thing. Um, I hope so. I hope we do. I hope we do. I really hope we do. And do you have any other musical projects that you're working on outside of Ugly Kid Joe? I have a band called Yellow Cake with Jeff Curran, who plays on That Ain't Living and who plays on Drinking and Driving. I have a band with Lee Richards called Richards Crane, which is singer-songwriter stuff. I sing in a cover band called The Wedding Band with some pretty cool characters. I think that's, let me think about that. There's probably more stuff, but I, I space it. Uh, but right now, the focus is, for sure, on Radwings. Absolutely, and it's a fantastic album from beginning to end. I've been listening to it all week. It comes out on October 21st on Metalville Records. That's all the questions I have for you today, Whitfield. I, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with KNAC because I know you're doing limited interviews with select outlets for this cycle. All right. All the best, man. Thanks for your time.